this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the author and the finisher. I believe in this hour, as the Lord is moving, it says here, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And in another scripture it says, for the prize of the high calling, right? he wrote and he authored a race for each of us. That means that he began it and he ended it before the foundation of the world in your life and in my life. Now some of us are on the little bit closer to the author side and some of us are a little closer to the finisher side. But the prize of running the race is the first three words of verse two. Looking unto him. Looking unto Jesus. Can you see him? Can you see him in your race? Can you see him? Psalm 63 that I open with says in verse eight, my soul chases close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. He's never left you. He's never left you. I find it interesting that throughout scripture he talks about a race that, that we're, we're chasing him, we're going after him with everything that we have and yet he's the one that came after us. <laughs> he found us in the dirty, broken state that we were in and he said, listen, if you just look to me, I'll change you. I'll change you. And yet, we're supposed to chase after him. Some of you are in transition. Some of you are dealing with issues of great importance in the kingdom. And I want you to know that he's already finished what you're called to do. He's already finished it. He's not questioning you. He's not questioning what he's called you to do. He's already finished it. 
And so in the journey, when the enemy wants to convince you that you're doing something wrong or that you're in the wrong spot or that, uh, that he's not with you, my encouragement to you is to look to Jesus. The circumstances that you're in may look amazingly difficult, but look to Jesus. The times you're in may be full of joy, look to Jesus. He is the prize of the race. He is the prize of the ministry. He is the prize of everything that you're called to do on this planet. He is the one. He's the one. He's the one. And if he authored and finished your race, and then the next line says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame. It means that he authored and finished what you're called to do. He authored and finished your life. He did it all and endured the cross with joy knowing that if you receive him, you will accomplish everything he paid for. Some of you have been around enough to know that we used to, every single Sunday, we don't do it as often anymore, but we used to have our offering and people would come forward and throw the offering in the basket. I like it much better that you can leave it back there, but we used to say the phrase, we had a, we had a saying that we said, and at the end of it, it says that Jesus would get his full reward. That he would get his full reward. The enemy is out to try and steal that from you. But every day we get a choice. Every day we get up, we get a choice. Do we look to him and do what he's saying and, and follow him or do we get distracted and in, in the distraction take away the reward of his suffering? You know, there were many people in scripture that chased after God. There were Abraham, obviously, David. You go through all that. And then you come into our modern times that we would know names and, you know, William Seymour and some of the greats that we read about in scripture. But you know what's interesting? We know them better now than those who were on the planet knew them then about what they were doing. You see, history always shows the result. When the circuit riders were riding before the first great awakening and they were sharing the good news of the gospel and living in discipleship and wholeness and they were, they were riding around from city to city and doing that, no one knew it was the first great awakening. It was looking back that we know that that's a part of what God was doing in that time. I'm not sure now the number, but dozens, I would say, of campuses all across our country are ignited with the fire of revival. And we all have a choice. We talked last week about how in our lives we can, seeds of unbelief can be planted with seeds of belief that God has put in our heart that we would achieve the destiny he's called us to and that we have a choice every single day whether we pull the weed of unbelief or whether we let it take away the nutrients of the soil of belief. And in the last however many days since everything started at Asbury. We've had a choice every single day when we see the news, when we see what he's doing. What is our heart response to that? Is it, man, I wish it was in Dover 
man, I wish I could be there. Man, I wish. There is something significant about being there, I, I will say that. But awakening can happen right here, right now. The Lord said, don't delay. Come meet me in the quiet place. That's where awakening is. That's where it is. That's where it is. And if we look to Jesus, I have to believe that some way that we don't understand this endurance to continue doing what he's called us to do will infuse us supernaturally the ability to host an event for how many days now with this leadership team and and doing what he's called us to do it's an endurance that you don't have in the natural i i saw a picture from from asbury and it was one of the, it was the, actually the minister who preached the sermon right before it started and he was talking with another adult uh, on the platform and maybe it was a video, I don't remember, but the look on their faces was, what do we do now? What do we do now? What do we do now? And what I love about that is, is that we can pastor through COVID, we can, we can lead our families through the craziest of times, but there are times in our lives when we look at each other and say, what do we do now? The answer is look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. The author and the finisher of everything he's called us to do. The person he's called you to be, he already authored you and he finished you. Now let's just look to him. David said, I chased after you. I chased after you. I don't know about you, but I had much more energy back then to chase something when our kids were little than I do today. But there's a supernatural endurance that comes when we seek him and look to him that we can chase him with all that we have for as long as it takes. Because if you seek me, you will a promise every day that promise doesn't go to sleep with you it's still alive it's like gravity it holds you down it's a promise that will always be there if you seek him you will find him you want revival to hit Dover Ohio you want revival to hit this region if you seek him you'll find him he's already authored and finished the things that he's called you to do For so long, the church has been predictable. The world knows that when there's a tragedy, church will show up. The world knows that when, when something needs to happen, the church will be there and they'll try to minimize the impact of what the church will do. I'm believing for a church that's unpredictable. Like the one that we read about in Acts where things just happened because they were there. I remember traveling with Pastor, um, Pastor Penn and we went on the Finney tour up in New York. And throughout the trip, we, we were in the, the discipleship house and we were gonna leave on a two-day trip to follow Finney's tour all through New York some of the most beautiful countryside I've ever seen. And we get in the van and I was the driver and I thought, you know, Lord, I'm not gonna be able to see everything because I'm watching people driving. And he said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll show you what you need to see. I said, okay, okay, I'm good. I'll just, I'll just drive and I'll just be with you. And we got out onto the, the first road that we were driving on 
And, uh, and one of the people in the van, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, began to read the autobiography of Charles Finney, where he starts to tell the stories of the prayer that went into the cities in which they would go and see revival happen. And so we're dri- I'm driving, and, and Pastor Penn, and I have already apologized to him so that he, he's not offended by this, but I got caught up in the stories of what was happening in that hour. How they would go into a city and every single person in the city was born again. Every single person. And I was driving down these little country roads and we came to a field and Penn taps me on the knee and he's like, pull over. So we pull over And he said, there should be a section in that book about him building a house. And he told the person reading where that story would be. And he said, while we sit here along the road, I want you to read the story about how he built the house. And in the story, he talks about building the house that they would live in. And he said, I've got a secret for you all. I've got a secret for you. He said, Rob, turn off the van. We're going to go for a walk. And I mean, if, if I could describe this to you in any way, as far as you looked, all you could see was open fields and trees. That was it. There was nothing there. Nothing there. And he said, we're going to walk. Okay. Put the van in park. Everybody unloaded. We got out and started to walk into this field. And he said, I've discovered something that I want to show you. You'll be the first group I show this to in the last 30 years of doing this, you're the first group. He said, what you were just reading in the car, I found it. Come with me. And so we walked through this field of high grass and got to this little, maybe small grouping of trees. I can show you the picture if you want to see it. And he said, this is the foundation that Charles Finney laid with his own hands. And we walk up to this hole in the ground and there's stones stacked all around. No house, nothing was built, just the foundation was still there. And I remember he said, no one's gonna talk, just go. Now we weren't gonna go get anything from the rocks. We weren't gonna go get anything from being on that land. We weren't gonna get something through our feet or anything but the Lord was gonna speak to us. And I remember jumping down in and we were all just praying and talking to the Lord and listening to the Lord and and moving around the place and I went over to the corner and the Lord highlighted this little piece of rock. And he said, and I, I got permission by the way, he said, why don't you take that out of there? This is just laying in a pile of rocks. Why don't you take that out of there? I want to teach you something. He said, Finney built a foundation for his family out of these stones. And you're not here to receive from Finney. But nothing can be built without a firm foundation. So I want you to take this rock and I want you to remember that every time you look at this little piece of stone, about that big, every time you look at it, that I have built a foundation for you. I'm the author of your life and I've built a foundation for you. Are you willing to build with me? And I remember going to Penn, can I, can I take this little rock thing? And he's like, yeah, I don't think it would be a problem. By the way, none of us would ever find it. I can guarantee you that. (laughs) We would never find that place again, except for Pastor Ben. It's in the middle of nowhere. But my question for you is, do you believe that the foundation that Jesus authored in your life is sturdy enough to build something? You see, there was another part of the foundation that wasn't all together. It had caved in and it was a pile of dirt 
on the other side of the building. And I remember walking over there and I, I mean, I'm not a construction guy, but I was like, Penn, obviously something happened to this wall that this whole wall just caved in and now it's been laying here for 100 years and, and now it's just a pile of sand. And he's like, yeah, go look around that. So I went around and looked at the top side of where that was and there were all these weeds. There were all these weeds that had penetrated the wall and my belief is that they received water and sun and they were never pulled. And their roots got into the wall of the foundation of the building and it fell apart. I believe what's happening in this move of God is this. We have a choice. We have a choice to enter in, to say the foundation that God has built and laid in our lives, whether that's through your ancestry all the way down or maybe you're the first one. Maybe he authored your life and you're the first one to meet him in your family. He still laid a foundation for you. I believe we have a choice. Not just to protect the foundation that he's built in our lives from unbelief. Because he's called us to each build something for him. But I also believe that we have the opportunity to build something on the foundation. But here's the kicker. Do you believe that the foundation that he laid for you when he authored your life is strong enough to hold what you're going to build? How do you keep the foundation strong? You got to be really good at pulling weeds. You got to be really good at calling out unbelief. What I've found in meeting with a lot of you people is that I can believe more about what he's called you to do, Pastor Sean, than you believe about it. It's easier. Because I can look at the foundation and say, man, that's amazing. But when you're already putting the floor down and you're starting to build, you forget what's in the ground. And I believe what this revival that's going on in our country is doing is it's revealing the stones. It's not about flashy things. It's not about, it's not about healings and miracles and deliverance. And I know it's all happening there and I'm, I'm good with that. But you know what it's about? It's about bringing the body of Christ back to the foundation that you didn't build because you and I can't build something that would hold what he wants to put on it. It's coming back to understand that whether we've built five stories on it or whether we're just laying those trusses on the first floor, that what we're building on is solid. And I don't know about you, but I need reminded of that. That he authored and finished what he wants me to do already. And he's not worried about it. He knows that every stone there is solid. And he's saying, I've commissioned you to make sure you protect it from all the nonsense. Because what we're going to build together is something that the enemy can't take down unless you let him. So I remember going, we visited many gravesides and, and many places. And we went to churches where the men went in one door and the women went in the other door. And, and, and he stood in those cities and he stood there and preached until... God was done. He got ran out of cities. They held council meetings between the leaders of the churches in the cities to kick him out because he was bringing stuff that was riling up the church. Well, I think we need some things that'll rile up the church today. Some things that'll break the mold. Some things that'll make the old encrusties get all uncomfortable. And here's the thing. We've all got some old encrusty. I remember going to the grave of his prayer warrior that went ahead of him to every city. I remember looking over the valley 
from where his grave was and saying, Lord, would you send another movement of prayer? Would you send another revival to our nation? Yet we sing songs that say we don't care what it looks like. You see, I think sometimes we stop building on the foundation that he laid for us. We stop building because we do care what it looks like. I was meeting with someone this week and they're an amazing business person and they said that their, their number one thing is that they're, they're such a perfectionist that they won't even send out things that have one little speck on it. They won't send it out. And I was like, that's amazing. I'm glad that you're that perfectionist, but how many do you have in the trash that would have worked perfectly fine? Are you building something and waiting till it's perfect before you ship it? Because if it's on his foundation and you trust him as the one that gives you the endurance to go and build what he's called you to build, ship it. Ship it. The world is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. That what you're called to do, you would build with boldness and you would do it without excuse. Are you protecting your foundation? Do you really trust that what he built for you is for you? And are you willing to look to him as the master architect of your life and say, if you want that wing there, I'll do it. If you want that window there, I'll do it. If you want that door there, I'll do it. Even if you think it's gonna look really weird. Are you willing to cut the hole and do it because he said do it? He'll give you the blueprints because he's already finished the work if you're willing to sit with him. Are you willing to sit with him? Are you willing to be in his presence? Are you willing to acknowledge that the creator of the universe built the foundation to your life? He's the author of it. Are you willing to thank him for it? What I love about worship this morning and being in his presence is that Everybody had to figure it out for themselves. When I texted with Joshua yesterday, I said, I'm giving everybody the day off. And there's going to be no words on the screen. I don't care what you do. I, I trust you. I give you the floor, you both. I, you have free reign here. But there is something interesting about not being able to see something that directs what you're doing and you have to just say Lord I trust you and I worship you with everything in me even if it doesn't sound great or to look great or you know what if we can't even worship him in the safest place on earth for a believer other than the quiet place the safest place where we can gather together as believers the safest place if we can't worship him and be flawed then how can we build something that we don't think might look the way that we want it to. My guess is, is that we just don't build it. And then the people that are supposed to enter into that thing that he's called you to build never get to meet him. So are you willing to get the blueprints? Are you willing to say, I know that you've already finished me. <laughs> now let's work on this together. Because he wants to change you. He wants to transform you. He wants to build something with you that you couldn't even imagine. But not only, just like when they rebuilt the walls, not only do we have to have our utensil to build, but we gotta be able to pull weeds. And some of you have so many weeds of unbelief about what God's called you to do, you can't even believe. And he's saying, 
Forget all the nonsense that the world would tell you. Forget all the unbelief, and here's what I want you to do. Look to me, the author and finisher of what I've called you to do. Look to me. Look to me. Look to me. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to, to lay down every expectation that you have and to say, come have your way? Would you just hold your hands out? Lord, we receive the barrel of joy this morning. And we say thank you for filling our barrels. Thank you, Lord, that as we surrender to you and you fill our barrels, that you will overflow them to those around us. That you, Lord, had joy in your most difficult circumstance because you knew your assignment. Lord, I'm praying for an anointing to come upon every person in this room to stop examining the blueprints to see if their life is really gonna make sense and just get into the building mode. Just trust the foundation that Jesus laid for you is solid and build something with him. Jesus, I know that the world is looking for and groaning for men and women of God to, to do something, to be something, not away from you, but with you, but with you. So Lord, we celebrate with these students all across our country and around the world that are finding you and your presence in a holy place. We say thank you. Thank you for sending this move. And Lord, we pray that it would be protected. Lord, though, we sit here today and we, some in the room want to go, some have gone. Do what you want to do in us. Do what you want to do in us. Lord, show us the stones of the foundation. And may each and every heart understand that if we seek you, we will find you. Why wait? Why wait? Get in the secret place in the cleft of the rock, read the blueprints and begin to take action. Some of you have been lacking direction. Action creates direction. You can't steer a parked car. So get rolling. Get rolling. You say, I don't know. Well, there's, there's, definitely, there's definitely some places for I don't know, but I know who does know. The one who already completed what you're worried about. So Lord, I pray that every person in this room and watching online would come to an understanding of how good you really are and that you finished what they're thinking about starting already. And in everything that you finished, you said it was good. Lord, teach us how to receive your compliment, that it's good. <laughs> I feel like there's some people in the room this morning that have not heard in a long time what you're doing is good.
He's proud of you. He wants to meet you every single day in his word and in the secret place. But your being good is not dependent on that. You're good because he's authored and finished you already. And his insignia is on your heart. So Lord, do an amazing work in this house. Do an amazing work among these people. Lord, we don't care what it looks like. Come and have your way in our hearts. Come and have your way in our lives. Come and have your way in our families. Come and have your way in our businesses. Come and have your way in what you want to do through us. Manifest yourself to us. May we examine the walls of our foundation and know that the master builder, he did it right. <laughs> he did it right. Thank you, Lord, for doing it right. Thank you for finishing things before we ever think to start them. And Lord, ignite a belief in us that no unbelief can cloud out, that no unbelief can take the, the nutrients from, a belief that is steadfast that you are the author and finisher of our faith. So we surrender to you in this moment. We surrender to you in this moment. Would you just come and meet us where we are? In Jesus' name. Amen. Caitlin was, she was trying to find people to go to Asbury with her and seemed like every, every plan she had didn't work out. And then she received a phone call. Hey, let's go to Asbury and let's go experience this. So would you share what happened to you? Yeah, so um, we were trying to go and just a lot of things are falling through, like you said. And Someone called me and said, I'll be there in an hour. Pack a bag, let's go. I was like, okay, well, um, we're doing this. And we got in the car and interceded on the way there. Just, Lord, what do you want to do in us? And he spoke to one of the people in the car, and, and he said, I just want you to seek my face. Just lay down your agenda. And so that's what we did. We worshiped the, the last two hours of the ride there. We were just praying and interceding for what the Lord wanted to do. And I feel like for a lot of years of my life, I've been ashamed to be in Gen Z. I've heard from a lot of people um, your generation doesn't know how to work for anything. Your generation gets things handed to them. Um, your generation is broken. Your generation is depressed. Your generation is anxious. And so that makes you not really want to be a part of what people are talking about. And so I felt the burden of that for a long time. If you've known me, you know that I've always been around adults my whole life. I've always had that type of personality. And that's because I just didn't want to be identified with, with those people. And there, at Asbury, there's um, two lines. There's a line for anyone over 25, and then there's a line for students that are 16 to 25, and they get to go in first. And there were people in the, in the adult line that had waited eight hours, and we got in in 10 minutes um, being young people. And I walked in the room, and I began to weep. As soon as I walked in the room, and all I could think was, this is my generation. This is my generation of young people who are chasing after Jesus. And the sweet, sweet spirit that was in the room was built on repentance. I don't know if you've heard the story of how it started, but someone was speaking and, and he said, if you want to meet Jesus where you are and repent, would you come forward? And 19 or 20 students stayed in the room and it hasn't stopped. That's why it was started. But you can walk in the room and feel this deep, deep repentance. But being a part of a generation that's marked post-Christian, that's 
that's marked all of these things means that we don't have an agenda when it comes to the Lord. We don't have these expectations of what revival should look like because we haven't created them because we didn't know. And the Lord just began to speak to me about consecration. There was on the wall, like we have our verse, it said, holiness unto the Lord. And every single person that got up referenced that. And they wanted, they wanted us to realize that we need to live consecrated unto the Lord and we will see revival sweep this nation. And I just want to share this morning that it's not about what generation it is. It's not about your age group. But I'm telling you, I'm on fire for mine. And I'm tired of being ashamed of the generation that I live in. And I want to, we're going to be a marked generation of the ones who saw the next awakening in America. We have the ability to bring awakening to America. And I'm telling you, we don't want to be the only generation. We don't want it to be that Gen Z is seeing revival, although it's amazing. I want it to be that baby boomers are coming to the Lord in nursing homes. People are getting out of their beds. And Gen X is is praying for their kids to come running back to the Lord and interceding for that. And, and millennials aren't, aren't marked as anything besides Jesus lovers. I'm tired of being labeled by the negative things of our generations. Lord, this morning we come to you any person that's in this room that has felt marked by stereotypes of their generation, we break it off in Jesus' name. Every generation has the ability to be Jesus chasers. We stand for revival, we stand for awakening in Dover, and in Tuscarawas County, in Ohio, and in America. Lord, what we're watching in universities, may it not just be a one-time moment. May it be people falling in love with who you are. We love you. We honor what you're doing, even if it doesn't look like what we expect. We want to see your face. We want to see you move. Do it in us this morning, Lord. We just want to look like you. In Jesus' name. But I want to release this. If you're in Gen Z, can you come forward? I know that there's at least some. Allie, are you in Gen Z? Is there anyone else? Is that it? Okay. Well, if you feel led, we're gonna lay hands on, on Allie this morning and release that over the schools in our county. She goes to New Philly, but we're going to release it over every school, every teacher, every principal. May they see you, Jesus. Would you extend your hands up here? Jesus, we honor you this morning. We honor you as the name above every other name.
We pray for Allie this morning, Lord. Would you ignite a fire that is so bright into New Philly that she would be a light that burns so bright for what you do and who you are. We just release that over her this morning. Would she leave here different with a boldness to declare your name? Would you send the right people for her to band together with, to see you move? Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. We release that over our county, over every school in our county, Lord. We release encounters with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we release encounters, we release healings and wonders and miracles. That students who come from broken homes can come to school and find wholeness in the name of Jesus. We release abundant life. We release abundant blessings. Yeah, even more than we can imagine, Lord. Every school, no matter the age, every college, we just release the presence of Jesus to flood the campus. We repent for any beliefs that we've had that don't line up with what you want. We lay down our agendas, we lay down our desires. That's not to see you move. We honor you and we honor what you're doing in our country. And I stand with Gen Z for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. While we're in this attitude of prayer, can. Can you guys come up here? Not to play, but just to come stand here. I couldn't have stood up an hour ago. <laughs> just have to sit. We just want to honor you and say thank you for coming to this place, to our house, his house, but to the one that we are here for worshiping today in. And, uh, and I don't know how many of you know them, uh, but I don't even know what the Lord's doing with them other than I said, would you come and lead worship with us? Um, but I want you to extend your hands and I want to bless them in what God's building in them and through them and who he's going to impact, whether that be in a small city or nations. I don't know what that is, but I just want to honor them and bless them this morning. Father, I thank you for Joshua and Elizabeth. Lord, you know their path to this point. You know what has been built and you know what you're building. And Lord, I thank you for the foundation that you've laid in each of their lives. Howbeit, it looks completely different. But I thank you that you laid the right foundation. You brought them together to lead worship, but not, not just lead worship, but to worship you together as husband and wife. And so, Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for their lives and their marriage. And, Lord, the, the things you're going to do with them, we just speak life over them, protection from any attacks or design of the enemy, and we loose them into the full anointing and ministry of the Holy Spirit to empower them beyond their natural capacity to be able to do the work and release them into the work that you've called them to do. So Lord, we just say we love them. We say thank you for leading us today. And may the Lord bless you in everything you put your hand to and every place your feet go, may there be open doors that no man can shut. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you guys, appreciate you.
Well, before we go, I have a few announcements for this week and in the upcoming future. So tomorrow there is men's ministry is hosting an event, but it is for everyone. So everyone is invited tomorrow at 630 in the Family Life Center. Dinner is provided. So make sure that you are here for that. It's going to be great. And we always hear from the Lord when we come together. And then a Wednesday, Wednesday night at 630, Pastor Sean will be in this room. He will be teaching about Jesus and just encountering the Lord together in this place. So make sure you're also here for that. And then Thursday is Senior Life. So if you fit in that age bracket, make sure that you're here at noon on Thursday for Senior Life. It's going to be a blast. And then March 1st is Family Connect at 6.30. So make sure that you're here and you bring a friend. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then the last thing I want to talk about really quick, as we talked about the next generation, um, we have the opportunity to take some of our youth students actually up to Niagara Falls for three days. Um, because winter camp, there's some things happening and we're not able to go this year. So we're taking our students. There's five students and then me and my fiance Anders are taking them to Niagara Falls. And um, there's a church up there that we connect with. And it's going to be a blast of three days of sightseeing and encountering the Lord together. We have some painting, prophetic painting things set up and, and some services with some of our pastor friends. So if you would just be in prayer for that, for our students that are taking that trip, that is March 3rd through the 5th. So for those days and up until then, would you just believe with us for encounters with the Lord as we step out of where we're comfortable and, and go to somewhere else? We just ask for your uplifting in prayer for that trip. That would be so appreciated. So Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this week. We praise you for what you're doing and how you're moving. And we love you so much. We honor you. And we just can't wait to see what you're going to do through this upcoming week. In Jesus' name, amen. And a reminder that the offering buckets are in the back. Have a blessed week, everyone. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.